0: Okay. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt can be a challenge. I've always had problems, whether it's with the fit or the quality. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist and you can find it at skims from crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees. There is a style for everyone. And you guys know that I've been wearing skims for a while. And I recently just tried another t-shirt of theirs. It's the best form-fitting t-shirt I have ever had I just got the skims soft smoothing t-shirt and it is the most flattering t-shirt the fabric is smooth it's versatile I can wear it running errands or literally dress it up for a date night
1: look I'm just here to be a witness and let and let everyone know that Payne's not lying she loves her skim stuff she looks good in her skim stuff only I've seen it obviously
0: not my tea I guess I guess everyone's
1: seen her t-shirts but she loves her skim stuff and I'm just an eyewitness.
0: Shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes extra extra small through 4x. If you haven't yet be sure to let them know that we sent you so after you place your order select podcast in the survey and then select our show in the drop down menu that follows. You guys we love you so much we love skims now let's get back to the episode. Hey, everybody, welcome back to our podcast. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland.
1: And I'm Garrett Morland,
0: And he's the husband. And I'm the husband. A couple quick reminders before we jump over into Garrett's 10 seconds. We have our virtual live show coming up on December 11th. Tickets are available now. You know,
1: I was thinking about something the other day and I'm curious how many people do it. Uh, super random, but how many people shower once a day and how many people shower twice a day?
0: This is your 10 seconds? This is my 10 seconds because
1: <laughs> I was thinking about it. I've been in this habit and I'm not saying it's a good habit. I'm not saying it's a bad habit, but I've been showering morning and night. Once
0: every week. <laughs> yeah, once
1: a week, once every month. But I've been showering morning and night. Like, Since I, I don't met know, you. My OCD is just like, I can't get in bed dirty. And then when I wake up, I just feel dirty. I don't know why. I'm just a dirty person. Don't have to say. <laughs> Anyways, how many people shower once a day versus how many people shower twice a day? If you follow us on social media, I don't know, let us know in the comments or something. If you don't, then just think about it.
0: Well, what do you think is the correct and, way?
1: And would you ever change it would you shower would you shower twice a day if you just shower once a day is it because you're trying to save money is it because you just don't feel dirty i'm kind of curious everyone's reasons and this is kind of a long 10 seconds we could probably sit here and talk about this for 40 minutes because that's a whole another conversation in itself and on that note (laughs) <laughs> we can hop right into it. Just a reminder, we have our Apple subscriptions, which is ad-free and you get bonus episodes. And then Patreon as well is ad-free and you get bonus episodes. If you sign up on there, you can see all our bonus content and everything is ad-free. And on that note, let's hop into the episode.
0: Our case sources are Rivers of Blood by Robert Scott, charlieproject.org, tribe.com, billingsgazette.com, ranker, wyomingfile.com, caselaw.finelaw.com, and newspapers.com today's story takes us all the way back to march 1988 now the democratic and republican primary elections were in full swing around this time a fifth police academy movie had just landed in theaters and rick astley's never gonna give you up was topping the charts and during this time a young woman named lisa marie kimmel was 18 years old and after graduating Billings Senior High School in Billings, Montana, Lisa relocated to the Denver area for work. She got a job working as a unit manager at an Arby's restaurant, a company for which Lisa's mother, Sheila, worked as a director of operations. So both mother and daughter commuted between Billings and the Denver area regularly, as Billings was still Sheila mom's home. But when she was in Colorado, she shared an apartment with her daughter in Aurora, a suburban. Suburban City right outside Denver. So basically mother and daughter kind of both work at Arby's and they're constantly traveling between Billings and Denver. Now, at the end of March, they planned on returning to Billings once again. Mother, Sheila, by plane and Lisa by car. So they're in Denver and they're both going to go to Montana, but Sheila's going to go by plane. Lisa's going to drive. Now, Lisa had made the road trip from Aurora to Billings several times by this point. But this trip was going to be just a little bit different. She would be taking surface roads instead of highways. And this was because Lisa planned to stop in Cody, Wyoming to see her new boyfriend, Ed Jarek, who would then travel with her the rest of the way to Billings. And then once in Billings, Montana, Lisa planned to finally introduce Ed to her sisters, Stacy and Sherry, and then visit a friend who was in the hospital for cancer surgery. Okay. Sheila chose to fly because she had plans to go skiing with her husband, Don, and her other daughters. So she would just meet up with Lisa and Ed once they arrive. So basically they're getting to the same place. They're just taking two separate ways. And Lisa, the daughter is really excited to introduce her new boyfriend Ed to the family. Now, Sheila was the only member of Lisa's family who'd already met Ed, and she liked him. So Ed was mom-approved. Ed had a job working for the Marathon Oil Company out of its Cody, Wyoming office, but he'd first met Lisa up in Billings, where they were introduced by mutual friends. Their first encounter was so magical that they ended up spending all of that weekend in each other's company. And after they had to part ways to go home, Ed and Lisa spoke on the telephone regularly and exchanged letters every few days eventually a long distance relationship blossomed between the two of them and now lisa's detour through wyoming would allow them to see each other again and in fact they already had plans for a follow-up visit in april as ed had reserved a plane ticket to visit her in colorado so safe to say this is like you know Ed and Lisa's new relationship seemed to be going good. They were ready to take the next step and introduce him to the rest of the family that weekend.
1: Which I feel like is a big deal. Introducing your significant other to your family is kind of scary.
0: It is scary. I remember the first time I met your family, like vividly. They they loved me. No, I met your family. Oh, you
1: met my family. (laughs) I was saying your family loved me.
0: (laughs) Oh, geez. You remember meeting my family for the first time? No. You met him over FaceTime.
1: Oh, I did? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Hey, guys.
0: So in advance of Lisa's drive, she and Ed talked on the phone and worked out the route that Lisa should take to get to Cody, Wyoming. This is a town Lisa had never visited before. Ed advised Lisa to take I-25 from Aurora, Colorado to Casper, Wyoming, and from there, hop onto Highway 20 to Shoshone, and then to Thermopolis, through Matitsi, and finally onto Cody. And I know you guys are like, I have no idea what you just explained. But basically, she's just hopping through all these little towns to find finally get to Cody, Wyoming. Okay. They went over these directions several times. Again, it's 1988, so dropping a pin or Google Maps just wasn't a thing mm. yet, so she really does need to know how to get there. And because it's Wyoming, you could get lost easily. There's not a lot of stuff out there. Ed wanted to make sure Lisa wouldn't get lost um, because they figured it would be after midnight by the time Lisa reached Wyoming. And much of the state is just open space. Wyoming is actually the least populous state in the U.S. while being the 10th largest in size. So needless to say, there's a whole lot of nothing out there. And in the dark, it would probably be easy to just take the wrong road. Now on the day of the trip, which was Friday, March 25th, Lisa phoned boyfriend Ed around 4.45 p.m. to give him a heads up that she was running a little late and would be heading out around 5 p.m., first to drop her mother at the airport and then onward to Wyoming. As they prepared to leave, Lisa talked with her mother, Sheila, about the trip, about her plans with Ed, and about the route she would be taking. Sheila opened her road atlas just to review Lisa's planned route and to find any potential alternate routes to Cody. Though it became clear there was pretty much only one route to Cody that made sense, and it was the one that Ed had already given her. At this point, her mother reminded Lisa it wasn't absolutely necessary for her to fly up to Billings, and she could easily just skip the flight and join Lisa on the road trip so she wouldn't be alone, so it would be safer. But Lisa declined the offer. I mean, I think she wanted some alone time with ed they were brand new boyfriend and girlfriend like this trip would be good for them
1: and i just want to say if you're younger it's funny because you guys have probably never used a map i used a map for a little bit um but i feel like i was just kind of on the cusp on the edge mm-hmm. and then i remember growing up like my family would print out directions from MapQuest, you mm-hmm. know and then you would go and get them and then you follow them so it's so weird now that just you literally put it in your phone Yeah. And you just go somewhere. So it's just, it's always interesting to hear when you talk about someone using a map because to an extent it's, it's pretty foreign now.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like actually both of our parents have done this to us where we'll be like, Hey, where are we meeting you? Can you drop a pin? And they'll start giving us direction, map directions. You're going to turn right on this road and then you're going to go straight for about a mile. And I'm like, Whoa, just drop me a pin. You think I know the road names, but it's because that's what they're accustomed to. And we are so not used to it. So, Lisa also didn't foresee any issues with her car on this road trip because it was brand new. It was a black 1988 Honda. So this is a new car, it's not gonna break down. And her car actually had a personalized license plate that said Lil Miss. And this was inspired by Lisa's grandma, who used to affectionately call her, quote, my little miss Lisa Marie, which is so cute. So Lisa drove her mother to the airport and then Sheila left the road atlas in the car before hugging her daughter goodbye. You drive careful, Sheila told her daughter. Don't worry, mom, Lisa replied, I will. But 18 year old Lisa did not exactly keep her promise. At 9.06 p.m. that evening, Wyoming Highway Patrol Officer Al Lesko pulled over Lisa's Honda and cited her for going 88 miles per hour in a 65 miles per hour zone. Lisa timidly explained that she was just heading to Billings to see a friend who was going in for surgery, casually skipping over the fact that she was stopping to pick up her boyfriend first. Officer Lesko proceeded to write her the ticket nevertheless. And Wyoming at this time required that out-of-state drivers pay their tickets in cash. Wow. But Lisa didn't have enough cash on her to cover the cost of the ticket. So Officer Lesko followed Lisa to an ATM in the nearby town of Douglas, Wyoming, which was about halfway between Denver and Cody. That
1: is so weird. I can't believe that was a thing.
0: But as the two pulled up to get the money, Lisa's ATM card would not work at that particular bank's ATM. So, Officer Lesko was faced with a decision. He could either arrest Lisa and put her in jail until she could come up with the money, or he could release her with the promise that she send a check once she made it to her destination. Lisa promised to make good on the ticket, and so Officer Lesko let Lisa go. What Officer Al Lesko couldn't have guessed in that moment, Was that he would become the last known person to ever see lisa alive again the next morning lisa's mom sheila kimmel who'd made it to billings safely via her flight received a phone call from ed lisa's boyfriend he told her that lisa had never shown up the night before he'd waited up all night and never heard from her and so now he was wondering if sheila had heard from her daughter But Lisa's mother had not heard from her daughter since she dropped her off for the flight. And this was very worrying news, as it almost certainly meant something bad had happened to Lisa on her drive. Everyone in the family began to panic, and Lisa's disappearance was reported to Wyoming police. And I think they had to report immediately because it's not like this disappearance happened in a town where you could just all of a sudden go drive and look for her last known whereabouts. She was on a long drive. They have no idea where she was last seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that Sunday, Lisa's father, Ron, chartered a plane and spent the day flying over northern Wyoming in search of Lisa's car.
1: One of the worst places to go missing just in the middle of nowhere.
0: Yeah, because it's like, where do you begin looking? Ron feared that his daughter had gotten lost somewhere in the vast Wyoming desert, maybe took the wrong turn, but the search turned up nothing. He saw no trace of Lisa's black Honda. The following day, he also distributed flyers with his daughter's face and description on it. And up in Billings, Sheila Kimmel stayed within ear's reach of the telephone, and the family also began reaching out to local television stations and newspapers. And by Tuesday, the story ran on page seven of the Billings Gazette, along with the offer of a reward for any information leading to Lisa's whereabouts. Lisa was officially publicly known as a missing person at this point. The following day, other papers carried the story via the Associated Press, including Wyoming's Casper Star Tribune. Meanwhile, the family had hired a private investigator. By midweek, the only clue that was developed was that Kimmel's car, with its distinctive Lil Miss license plate, had reportedly been seen in the Wyoming cities of Billings and buffalo and also great falls montana with one or possibly two male occupants Mm, okay but this is hard because that's a lot of different places lisa was known to live a squeaky clean totally square and straight existence and disappearing like this was so out of character that everyone close to her feared foul play they're like something bad happened here if we haven't found her car and she hasn't got a hold of us she didn't just run away But then the Johnson County Wyoming Sheriff's Office found two witnesses in Buffalo, Wyoming who claimed to have seen Lisa at a 7-Eleven store at about noon the day after she was last seen. Wow, okay. She was wearing the same clothing she was reported to have been wearing when she was last officially seen by Officer Lesko. So we know at this point that she probably made it to Buffalo. Deputies also located four other witnesses in Buffalo who claimed to have seen her.
1: Dang, Buffalo coming on strong.
0: Right, and it seemed by all accounts that everything was reporting back to Lisa last being in Buffalo, a city she was destined to travel through if on her way to Cody to see Ed. So it makes sense that maybe she would have stopped there for gas or whatnot after being with Officer Lesko, But they they get no reports that she ever made it farther than Buffalo. Lisa's father was going to charter another plane at this point and do a flyover across Buffalo, but the weather prevented the plane from taking off. He and two of Lisa's uncles then combed the area in vehicles, but no sign of Lisa or her car was found. Ron, Lisa's father, then spent the remainder of the week canvassing local hotels and convenience stores. But again, he had no luck. And at the end of the week, he had to return to Billings totally exhausted. This is one of the worst parts of the story because the family has to keep traveling to these places to look. And Buffalo is a very small town. So once you've made it through all of, you know, the restaurants, the hotels and everything, at that point, it's like, Okay, well, then did something really bad happen and she's stuck on private property somewhere?
1: Yeah, that's the problem is there's so many just ranches and different farms and different landowners out in Wyoming that she could be anywhere right now.
0: Right. The Yellowstone County Sheriff's Office sent out teletypes far and wide containing descriptions of Lisa and her car at this point. While a family friend set up, quote, help find Little Miss Fund to ease the expenses that the search was already accumulating for the family. But the money wasn't going to stop the family's efforts. Quote, I would sell my house, my car, anything to find my daughter, Sheila Kimmel told the Billings Gazette. Their daughter was missing and it had now been over a week since anyone had last heard from her. The newspaper itself solicited readers to send donations to the Little Miss Fund and asked anyone who was traveling and willing to pick up batches of posters and distribute them along their route. Everyone was on the lookout. And then on April 2nd, eight days after Lisa's disappearance,
1: Their selection is designed to captivate and surprise, ensuring your heart rate remains as elevated as your imagination.
0: New members can try Audible for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash MWMH or text MWMH to 500-500. That's audible.com slash MWMH or text MWMH to 500, 500. That's Taking charge of my health is all about being super conscious of what I fuel my body with. Whether it's food or supplements, I'm constantly on the lookout for the top choices, and that's why I'm stoked to share with all of you, Thorn.
1: dot fit slash husband code husband. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: Two men were fishing along the North Platte River, about a mile and a half southwest of Casper, Wyoming, which is roughly a hundred miles away from Buffalo. Okay. When they stumbled upon the partially nude body of a young woman floating half a mile downstream from the old government <sighs> bridge. They'd heard about Lisa's disappearance in the news. Everyone in this area had. And so they knew this was probably her. And indeed it was. X ray comparisons quickly confirmed the body was that of Lisa Marie Kimmel. Medical examination found that Lisa had been bound, beaten, and oh raped. Oh my gosh. Come possibly on. across a period of several days. This means not only had Lisa been kidnapped, but she had been held and tortured all while her family and police were searching for her not even a hundred miles away that's
1: horrible I'm curious to see if she actually made it to Casper or if she was, or what happened? Like, was right? did she go missing in Buffalo and they brought her to Casper? Like what's going on?
0: So autopsy also determined that after all of this happened, Lisa was then struck on the head with a blunt object, stabbed six times in the chest and abdomen, all in her vital organs and thrown into the river from the old government bridge. So someone did this to her up top and then threw her over the bridge and into okay. the river. Blood was found near the edge of the bridge and later found to be Lisa's blood type, suggesting the location, like the exact location from which Lisa was tossed. And because the old government bridge was not generally used by travelers like this is kind of in Casper, it was believed by investigators that whoever killed Lisa must have lived in the area, must have been local to either Buffalo, Casper, like must know about this bridge. A nationwide search was launched for Lisa's black Honda CRX, which was fairly unique as only two or three of these had been sold west of the Mississippi. So Mm. they're like, this isn't a common car. And a fleet of planes was sent out to scour the county, to scour Wyoming, hoping to find where the car had been dumped. But it never turned up. Lisa was laid to rest on Friday, April 8th, two weeks to the day that she disappeared. Her funeral was attended by over 200 people, many of them Lisa's age. In October of that year, a family friend went to visit Lisa's grave and found a mysterious note wrapped in clear tape and secured fastly to her headstone. The note read, Lisa, there aren't words to say how much you're missed. The pain never leaves. It's so hard without you. You'll always be alive in me. Your death is my painful loss, but heaven's sweet gain. Love always, string hawk.
1: What? Was it the boyfriend?
0: No, Stringfellow Hawk was the main character on the TV series, Airwolf, which ran from 1984 to 1987.
1: That's creepy. So it's
0: not even a real person. No one close to Lisa could figure out who may have left the note. They start asking around. And this begins creating more suspicion into her murder. And despite the fact that Unsolved Mysteries actually aired a segment about Lisa's murder the following year, her case grows cold. So cut to Thursday, September 11th, 1997. This is nine years after Lisa's brutal disappearance and murder. A woman named Shannon Breeden and her husband, Scott, and their five-month-old son, Cody, were traveling from Michigan back to their home state of Washington when their van suddenly overheated and broke down in the middle of nowhere. Well, it is somewhere, somewhere in Wyoming on Interstate eighty, about halfway between the tiny town of Wham Sutter, which was about twenty miles to the west, and Rollins, which is twenty miles to the east. Mm-hmm. If you go to Google Maps, you'll see what lies between Wham Sutter and Rollins is pure desert. Like there's there's literally nothing. It's just empty space.
1: Or you can use a regular map.
0: Yeah, or you can use a regular map and see that. So the Breedens and their baby, they get stuck in the middle of nowhere, their cars broken down. And as the sun began to set, the couple tried flagging down what few motorists passed them but these motorists just kept going. No one stopped to help the family. Some long haul truckers did promise to pass the word on down the road, but no one ever arrived to help. So the Breeden family spent the night in their broken down van. Mm, And by morning they realized they were running out of water. It had been 12 hours since they'd been broken down and no one had helped them. And they have a little baby to take care of, as well as a kitten and a three-legged dog with them. And they weren't sure what they were going to do. The
1: three-legged dog, that just makes it so much more sad.
0: I know. They didn't know the area, and it looked like there was nothing for Miles and no one was stopping. But then, luckily for them, another van approached and stopped in front of theirs. A middle-aged man stepped out and introduced himself as Dale. He appeared concerned for the stranded family and offered them a ride to Green River just past Rock Springs. So he's like, oh, jump in my car. I'll take you to Civilization. Then we can figure out what to do from there. He says his brother actually owned a repair shop and could maybe come help them with their vehicle. So they accepted and they got into the man's faded green Dodge van.
1: It's so hard because I feel like I'm so cautious now. If like anyone came up to help me, I'd be like, I'm I'm okay.
0: I'll just sit here for another 12 hours. Yeah, I'll get
1: it figured out. (laughs) Thanks for asking though.
0: Right. And together the young family and this man continued west toward Rock Springs. And although help had seemingly finally arrived after such a rough night, something about the driver of this van who had stopped to help them made Shannon The mom uncomfortable. It was little things. He was drinking coffee nonstop and she noticed he was mumbling to himself he looks like a serial killer shannon thought to herself but then she immediately felt guilty for even having such a thought about this good samaritan who was helping them out of their jam after traveling a little ways the driver told his passengers that he had to pee which surprised no one given how many cups of Mm -hmm. coffee he had apparently consumed so he pulled off the highway at a maintenance exit scott the father had to pee as well so they fanned out and found separate bushes i guess that's like the proper thing to do Mm, it is when the two men returned from relieving themselves the man. Mandale asked Shannon if she wouldn't mind driving. He claimed he was tired and wanted to get some rest on the bed that was in the back of the van. This struck Shannon as odd because it was only 9 a.m. and the guy had been gulping coffee nonstop since the time they joined him. But okay, she said, sure, I'll drive. So Shannon took the wheel and began pulling away with Scott, her husband, in the passenger seat and the baby in his lap. But as she began driving, desperately just wanting this whole thing to be over, she heard a strange metallic sound come from behind her. She looked in the rearview mirror and she saw something that made her heart leap out of her chest. The man in the back was now aiming a rifle at her husband Holy and baby crap. son. Drive down this road, the man told her, pointing them off the highway, threatening to shoot the couple's baby if she didn't comply. The road in question was a dirt trail leading away from the highway. And looking down that road, Shannon saw only desert for as far as her eyes could see. She felt it deep in her bones that if she complied with this man's demands, the whole breed and family would end up as missing persons. She's like, if I turn down this road, we're goners. So Shannon floored the gas pedal and turned the steering wheel sharply, spinning the van in a circle as she tried to force the gun out of the man's hands behind her. Let's go, Shannon. Meanwhile, the man lunged forward and tried to rip the keys from the ignition to stop the car. But as the van came to the stop, her husband leapt from the van with the baby and Shannon herself jumped from the van. But the man grabbed her, following her out of the van and tackled her to the ground. And as he did so, the rifle flew out of his hands. And so then he pulled a knife from beneath the driver's seat and that's when shannon pounced on him climbing onto the man's back but the man overpowered her flipping her around pinning her to the ground with the knife to her chest scott holding the baby lurched forward and grabbed the man's arm to prevent him from sinking the knife into his wife let go or i'll kill her warned the man but scott insisted
1: oh my baby's going on the ground at this point like i love my baby but
0: what if the man then picks up the baby
1: i guess so but well, I don't know.
0: Scott's torn. I mean, that. what do you do? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I don't know what you do.
0: So Scott is like, whatever. And he reaches for the rifle and smashes the man in the head with it, breaking the weapon's wooden butt. Oh so my he gosh. grabs the rifle and hits the man. This is
1: insane.
0: It stunned the man, but he was still awake. He again tried to attack Shannon. So Scott lunged at him once more, wrestling him to the ground and stabbing the man in the chest with his own knife. Oh. As the man bled and struggled, Shannon took the rifle and fired a shot into the ground. The man warned, if you fire that again, it'll blow up and kill you. She handed the rifle to Scott, who proceeded to beat the man senseless until he begged for mercy. Are you just so proud they overpowered Yo, I him? Am
1: so, I've never been so happy on a this case This rarely
0: before. happens. Well,
1: anything that has to do with like survivors right. it makes me happy.
0: So the couple then secured their baby and drove away in the man's van, stopping at the nearby maintenance area where they called for help who knows what they had just escaped. Like if she had just turned down that road and complied they would probably be dead.
1: She 100% made the right decision. Right.
0: The Wyoming Highway Patrol responded to the scene and the couple led the officers to where they'd left this man, Dale. There, they found him badly wounded and bleeding profusely. The Highway Patrol officers weren't so sure of the Breedon's story at this point because they kind of had relatively few injuries compared to what the man looked like. I mean, Scott had beat him senseless. Yeah. However, when they began talking to the man, he told them that he had a terminal illness and wanted to kill himself but he didn't have the courage so he was trying to provoke this random couple to kill him. You've heard of like suicide by cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was according to the man suicide by stranger apparently. But the officers weren't really buying that story either. They searched the man's van and inside they found a pair of handcuffs. When they questioned the man about why he had these, he explained to them that it was just a sex toy. So that's when they decided to arrest him and charge him with aggravated assault of the family. This honestly should have been attempted murder. Like I truly think he was trying to kill them.
1: 100%.
0: Police eventually learned the man's name was Dale Wayne Eaton, and he was a 52-year-old drifter with a lengthy criminal record dating all the way back to when he was a juvenile when he was in trouble for stabbing a woman over a watermelon. In response to the charges of aggravated assault on this family, Eaton pled guilty and received a suspended sentence of two to five years for what he had done to them. He was ordered to remain at a pre-release center for up to a year. However, just two months later, once he was allowed access to his van, he claimed that he needed it for work. He left the center and didn't return. Go figure.
1: I can't believe he's just out.
0: He I mean, he runs away from prison after only serving two months for almost killing this family. Luckily, he was found only three months later camping in a national forest near Dubois, Wyoming, while carrying a firearm. So he was then charged with being a felon in possession of a deadly weapon and convicted in federal court and sent to federal prison in Littleton, Colorado.
1: Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babel.
0: Be a better you in 2024 with Babel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Hola. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick ten-minute lessons are handcrafted by over two hundred language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks.
1: Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world.
0: So a lot of people don't know that Garrett is actually fluent in Spanish. So I feel like i wanted to keep up my game and my goal is to be able to have a conversation with garrett fully in spanish by the end of the year and i feel like i probably will hit that plus Babel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent this is the hard part for me
1: here's a special limited time deal for you guys right now get up to 60 percent off your Babel subscription but only for you guys at babble.com husband get up to 60 percent off at babelcom husband b-a-b-b-e-l slash husband. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: Now, while in federal prison in 2001, remember he attacked this family in 1997. It's now 2001. Eaton had an argument with his cellmate, a 40-year-old man named Clay Inman Palmer. That argument ended with Dale Eaton punching the younger man in the head. A minute or so later, Eaton's cellmate dropped dead wow so eaton was charged with manslaughter at this point legally dale eaton had stabbed a woman when he was younger kidnapped and attacked shannon and scott and then run away from prison and then killed his cellmate but police were also about to discover that dale eaton had done even more than that over the years the next year while dale was awaiting trial for killing his cellmate dna from semen recovered from lisa kimmel's body was uploaded into CODIS. Finally, it's 2001. We're learning about DNA. And there was an immediate hit. The DNA matched Del Wayne Eaton. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the very cold case of Lisa Kimmel's murder that we started this story off with was now burning red hot. Investigators traveled to Moneta, Wyoming, which is about 80 miles east of where Lisa's body was dumped and talked to neighbors near property that Dale Eaton had lived on around the time of Lisa's disappearance. So they learned he lived around that area when she disappeared. One neighbor recalled that Eaton was digging a large hole on the land around that time, explaining that he was trying to dig a well, which the neighbor thought was preposterous, considering how deep Eaton would have had to dig to actually reach water on the land. She's like, when he said he was digging a well, I, I was like, okay, well, that's like a lot of work. This is what the neighbor's thinking.
1: Yeah, it's so dumb.
0: Because of this lead, the land was then excavated. They began Digging into the dirt in the very same location that Delhi Inn had been seen digging over a decade earlier. And what would you know? Searchers unearthed a black nineteen eighty-eight Honda CRX bearing the personalized license plate, Lil Miss.
1: He buried the entire car
0: in his backyard.
1: I don't even know how that's possible. Well, with, I, with oh well, what he used to dig the hole, do you know? how do he he had to have had equipment there's no way he just got out there with a shovel and just started digging away <laughs> you know shovel? what i'm saying yeah uh, like there's no way that's crazy
0: so because i mean her car was just found on his land and then his dna was found in her rape kit uh-huh. so Eaton was formally charged with lisa kimmel's murder on april seventeenth, two 2003 15 15- years years after her murder. Eaton would then confess to Lisa's murder to a jail physician. He recounted that he had found Lisa Kimmel parked on his land, forced her out of the car at gunpoint, took her to a converted school bus that he was living in at the time, and sexually assaulted her, holding her captive for several days before driving her to the old government bridge near Casper, bludgeoning her with a rock, stabbing her, and tossing her body into the river. So again, she was being held in this school bus, being assaulted over and over while her family was looking for Man, her. And so, that is heartbreaking. So yeah. At the trial, among the evidence presented was the mysterious note found on Lisa's headstone. Handwriting experts concluded that the handwriting matched Dale Eaton's. So he had visited her grave and wrote that weird note. Why? Why? I don't know. I don't understand why people continue to do this. Why would he taint her gravestone? That's weird. Why couldn't he just leave her alone? Like, why did he have to then go and do that? I think
1: it's weird that it's almost like he actually was convinced he cared about her. I don't know. That's extremely
0: strange. And among the witnesses at trial who were called to testify were the Breeden family, who he had kidnapped in 1997. tried
1: to kidnap. Tried
0: to kidnap, as well as a convict who occupied a cell next to Eaton's at his county jail. The inmate testified that Eaton had confessed a killing to him, which he presumed to be Lisa Kimmel. He claimed that Eaton told him, quote... A real nice girl had helped him out by giving him a ride, and as they were driving along and talking, Eaton had jokingly asked the girl when the two of them were going to dinner. That's when he claims the girl became uneasy and refused his advances. Eaton told his inmate that at that point, she then slammed on the brakes and pulled the car over, telling him he was a weirdo and demanding that he get out of the car. Eaton said he was angry that the girl was dropping him in the middle of nowhere, so he decided he'd have to kill her. He added that she was, quote, a lousy lay and that nobody would miss her.
1: Oh, my. I can't even. So
0: when you say maybe he convinced himself he he felt bad. No, this this doesn't seem like remorse. This guy was a psycho. Since this story obviously deviates from the story he told the jail doctor, he's told the jail doctor that he just found her parked on his land, so he, he kidnapped her, but then he tells his cellmate, oh, no, she gave me a ride. You've got to wonder if, number one, he's embellishing it, or if he was telling the other inmate about some other murder he committed, or the true story was somehow a mix between the two. Because I... it's more plausible that he somehow picked her up or got a ride with her used her niceness and her kindness against her rather than her just being parked on his land also because his land seemed out of the way from where she was going so Mm -hmm. i think it's somehow a mix between the two but going back to the question you asked about how did she get from buffalo to casper to we won't know because he didn't say Investigators definitely suspected that Eaton was a serial killer based on his M.O. with Lisa, as well as the Breeden family. In 2004, Del Eaton was convicted of premeditated murder in Lisa's death, along with a host of other charges, and he was sentenced to death on March 20th, 2004. Around this time, Lisa Kimmel's family won a wrongful death lawsuit against Eaton and were awarded his property, which they then burned to the ground.
1: Dang, no way. Yeah,
0: talk about like you guys go, like get what you need out of this. Eaton was scheduled to be executed on February 2010, but he received a stay of execution the previous December and his death penalty sentence was commuted to life in prison instead in September 2022. So just barely,
1: Whoa. his death sentence So he's got still alive.
0: Still alive. But this was very disappointing for the Kimmels family because they had kind of felt like, okay, once he gets put put to death, our wounds can kind of start to heal. But now he'll just be in life in prison. Eaton is currently 77 years old and serving out his life sentence at the Wyoming Medium Correctional Institution. So he's still there. Still there. Lisa Kimmel's murder was for some time included in a pattern of murders known as the Great Basin Killings, which also included the 1997 disappearance of Amy Rowe Bechtel. Amy lived in Lander, Wyoming, in an apartment she shared with her husband named Stephen Bechtel. On the morning of July 24, 1997, Amy left her apartment to run some errands and was last seen later that afternoon jogging the loop road at Shoshone National Forest. When she failed to return home that night, her husband called authorities. Her white station wagon was later found abandoned along the loop road with her keys inside the vehicle, but her wallet was missing along with her. The prime suspect for investigators had always been Amy's husband, Steve, who cooperated with the investigation, but then stopped after refusing to submit to a polygraph on the advice of his attorney, which again, not bad advice.
1: Nothing wrong with that.
0: Police had also found a poem in one of his diaries about committing a murder and making the body disappear. So they were kind of like, why is her husband Ooh. writing about this? And then yeah, she yeah. disappears. But one of the tips that came into law enforcement at the time was from a man named Richard Eaton, who suspected his drifter brother may have had something to do with this woman's disappearance. And Richard Eaton's brother was none other than Dell Eaton, who would later get charged with Lisa's murder. Dell lived near where Amy disappeared. So this girl in Wyoming goes missing and Dell lives nearby. But Dell, to this day, refuses to talk about the case. So he says he killed Lisa, but he won't talk about...
1: He hundred. I mean, I don't know if you 100% did this, but, I mean, how many coincidences can you have?
0: Well, it also should be noted that since the theory of a Great Basin serial killer first appeared in 1994 because there were so many women yeah. going missing, at least three of the murders have been solved. So... Mm. One of them was murdered by her husband and two were murdered by two other serial killers. So there might not even be a great Basin serial killer after all. But whatever the case, investigators are convinced that Lisa Marie Kimmel is not Del Eaton's only victim. Yeah,
1: I I would agree with that.
0: And that is the story of Lisa Marie Kimmel.
1: That's crazy. That's one so sad she got killed. She would mean that's just horrible. She's, She's driving, 18. trying to help somebody out. Just that's what I think. Being a nice well, person, likely. and then too, I can't believe that family lived. I know. Do you think like he would have actually shot for the baby? Sure. You think so?
0: Oh, I don't want. I don't want to speculate on the baby, but I think for sure they wouldn't have. Come oh no, out I one hundred percent
1: agree with that. I think his plan was to kill all of them, which is insane,
0: right? And I with investigators i mean Dell won't talk but with investigators believe that lisa was not his only victim yeah i mean you're gonna kidnap a whole entire family you're gonna kill this girl and you haven't done some you stabbed a woman when you were in your teenage years and you haven't hurt more women
1: yeah 100
0: all right you guys that is our story for today thank you so much for listening thank you for being here and we will see you next week with another episode i love it and i hate it goodbye